Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a terrific show for you tonight. We are going to be joined in about 15 minutes by Joe Navarro, best-selling author who just came out with a new book, Be Exceptional, Five Traits That Set Extraordinary People Apart. Who wouldn't want to learn more about a topic like that? So you are going to be very happy you stuck around. He's also a body language expert. Again, something all of us need to know a little bit more about. But first, let's talk about some of the headlines with the silver lining, news of the day. Now, when I give you this first sort of combination of stories, you're gonna say, wait a minute, I thought it was headlines with the silver lining. Well, there's always a silver lining. And we're gonna start with the, the, a tale of two Andrews. Now, of course, you could probably guess both of those. The first, of course, being New York Governor Andrew Cuomo governor for at least uh, almost two more weeks, and Prince Andrew of the royal family, both of whom are being sued for sexual misconduct. So of course, that's probably one of the few things they have in common, but it also really gives us an opportunity to talk about the issue in general. Stories like this and cases like this, we talk about them far too often because they happen far too often. Now, Prince Andrew, was just sued this week by uh, the accuser, the survivor that came to light last summer when, remember, that picture surfaced of Ghislaine Maxwell, Drew, and of course, this underage young lady. Um, Chris Andrew gave a couple of interviews. Um, Larry, I'm sure you watched them. I know I did in 2019. They didn't go very well, let's just say that. And so it's unlikely he will be flying to the US to take that empty chair, which is going to be the way the, the trial progresses right now in this civil suit. But as you and I know as lawyers, simply the fact that Prince Andrew will voluntarily refuse to come to the U.S. and we can't extradite him because it's not a criminal matter, it's a civil matter. Um, that doesn't mean the trial is not going to just proceed as usual, right? Yeah, 100 percent. And what was so funny about one of those interviews that uh, Prince Andrew said that he had no recollection of ever meeting this woman or girl, I should say. She was 17 at the time, uh, yet they, there's pictures available of him with her. So I don't know about his recollection. You might want to check out his memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Larry, one thing that we always talk about when somebody is accused of sexual misconduct is when they're asked about it, oftentimes the answer is no, never happened. But if the answer is, well, I don't remember then, of course, that just is fuel for further speculation. And in terms of his memory or lack thereof, um, it ties right into, you know, who he is. He meets a lot of people. He has a lot of royal duties. He, he might have said something like that. But also remember, there is certainly such a thing as palace intrigue, but not palace immunity, at least not as it refers to Prince Andrew, because sovereign immunity is for heads of state and he is not a head of state. So these are the kinds of things that people have been talking about over the last several days since this lawsuit was filed, by the way, right before the statute of limitations for civil suits like this lapsed. So this was just in time 
you know, but as it moves forward, um, people are really wondering about the accountability. And so too, you know, tell to Andrew, so too with Andrew Cuomo. I mean, he may have resigned. Um, many people are wondering why it takes two weeks to move out of the governor's mansion, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it, we've all moved. It takes a while. You got to get your things out and get, you know, your, your uh, successor up to speed. Um, but he faces the same thing is not only, even though he resigned, might he still face some kind of impeachment? That's hard to fathom just on its face. But remember, lawmakers in New York are talking about, do we have any kind of a path forward to do whatever we need to do to bar him from running for office again? But he also faces potential civil liability and potential criminal liability. Sure, sexual battery in New York for these types of groping charges, they would be misdemeanors. But nonetheless, you have several different prosecutor's offices looking into it. So let's just say that neither of the Andrews are out of hot water. In fact, if anything, politically and legally, they are probably just sticking their toe in, don't you think? Yeah, totally. I think that. And uh, for Governor Cuomo, there were a number of uh, Expenses regarding, you know, investigating him it was the administrative investigation. I think it cost the taxpayers two point five million to do that. Then there is that civil liability potential. Uh, the problem with that, there's a very short window, uh, statute of limitations, where uh, a, a victim could file uh, a, a lawsuit against him. And then there is that criminal possibility. But as you said, Wendy, I think it's, if that happens, there'll be misdemeanor charges and he will not have to register as a sex offender. It'll just be misdemeanor charges. Uh, so- well, here's an interesting question about that, Larry, in terms of the legal representation. There's been a lot of talk over the last several days and who pays for it? We all read that FOIA uh, response where basically they had authorized that lawsuit that's defending him in the nursing home scandal uh, to be paid up to two and a half million, and maybe they could petition for more. But the question many people are asking is, well, who would be hired to pay to defend him or represent him, as the case may be, in the other potential lawsuits? I mean, let's face it, you know, if I was accused of a crime, I probably, no harm, no offense, would I hire you? How many years have you practiced criminal law? If I had an estate planning, I mean, and this is kind of a funny example, Larry, because I come to you with everything. But think about it more generally. Let's say two lawyers didn't know each other as well as we do. Would you necessarily hire a uh, a civil lawyer that's representing you in a nursing home, a wrongful death action to also represent you on a drunk driving charge? So the question is much broader than that, that you may actually need multiple law firms, multiple lawyers involved to defend Mr. Cuomo on all of the potential cases that he might face. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, I wonder if he would have to raise some funds because I'm not sure he's protected by sovereign immunity, whether that's uh, full immunity or what's called absolute immunity or uh, conditional or partial immunity. Qualified uh, immunity. Qualified right. immunity, exactly. So I, you're right. And if I were him, I would get an expert. Uh, but I still think, Wendy, this is my opinion, but I've seen other articles on this, people that believe this, that this could be a diversionary tactic to take uh, focus off of the nursing home deaths, which were massive. Thousands and thousands of, of people, unfortunately, passed away under a, a, an order that he gave, an executive order, to move those people out of the hospitals and into the nursing homes. Uh, so this could be a diversionary tactic. And I think, again, his, his liability, the largest would, his, the most liability would be civil. I don't think he has a whole lot to worry about criminally. 
Yeah, and you talk about the nursing home deaths and COVID. There's some other COVID topics on your plate today. I know that's true. Oh, ex- absolutely, yeah. I- I've got this uh, these thoughts I've had, and I call it what if. So, so what if I wanted to destroy a country to transform it to, as they say, build it back better? How would I do it? Well, I'd erase the borders and I'd allow anyone to come in, even people who wanted to hurt the country and its people, even if they were unchecked for disease and untested for COVID. And I'd sprinkle them throughout the country to keep the infection rate high and the fear factor going with the pandemic. And I would do it in the name of compassion. And I would make the residents of that country feel guilty by calling them bigots and racists for daring to protest that those poor foreign invaders should be checked out or kept out. I'd also print money like it was going out of style. I would print so much money that it would become really the inflation factor would be high. I would pass national bank breaking legislation like the Green New Deal. Uh, they just passed, I think it was $1.2 trillion. Now they want to go for $3.5 trillion. Just for the record, $1 million, folks, is uh, that's 11, if you convert it to seconds, just for comparison, is 11 and a half days. $1 billion is 32 years. $1 trillion is 32,000 years converted into seconds. Who can pay for that? That's going to break the back of America. And also, I would turn loose killers from prison. I would encourage sanctuary cities. I would teach critical race theory in the military so it's not a cohesive fighting force. I would defund the police. And I would, uh, I would call wrong right and right wrong. I think the Bible has something to say about that. And I would uh, sexualize the children. I would break up to break apart the family. I would devote uh, my efforts to uh, having the language codes for political correctness. I would infiltrate the government, the media, the unions, and the school boards and, and, and schools with people that thought like me. And I would change the election laws so I could be in power forever. I would develop diseases and force people to take injections they don't want. I would have them oh, wear masks, yeah, as symbols of submission. Above all, right, I would tell the people and I would convince them that rights come from government and not from God. I would do the okay. opposite. That's what I would do. And then I would crown myself king of the universe, sitting in my basement, in my sweats, pulling all the strings. Sound familiar? Hopefully it does not sound familiar to anybody listening to the program. This is uh, all be, let me be the silver lining here, Larry. It's a good thing you are not planning this because you're smart enough to pull anything off. Um, but I think you bring up a lot of the points that we've heard argued on uh, online and we've heard them defended as well. You know, there's lots of people that, that don't believe that was ever the intention, the malicious intention behind some of the projects, the policies, the procedures. But then the question becomes from the other side, well, are some of these, even if they were originally well-intended policies and procedures, really ending up with a kind of disease and carnage and, and just all of the negative responses, some of what you mentioned. We promise you a very uplifting, silver lining second half. So we're gonna take a short break, but please stick around. You're going to meet an amazing best-selling author expert in body language to teach you how to master the five traits that set extraordinary people apart. Who wouldn't want to hear that? This is Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash.
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, I teased our next guest on the first segment, and I think you are going to be very satisfied and glad that you stuck with us. Larry, who do we have on the line today? Uh, Sure, Wendy. Joe Navarro retired from the FBI after serving as an agent for 25 years. He has been studying nonverbal behavior for more than 45 years and is an international best-selling author of 13 books, including Be Exceptional, Master the Five Traits That Set Extraordinary People Apart, another book, What Everybody Is Saying, an ex-FBI agent's guide to speed-reading people, and another one, The Dictionary of Body Language, a field guide to human behavior. He has been interviewed by all the major U.S. TV networks and is considered to be a world-leading body language expert. Welcome to the program, Joe. Uh, It's great to be here. Joe, you and I have a lot in common. We both write about body language, although I think your books do much better than mine do. (laughs) And we are both Psychology Today columnists, so it's really fun to have you on the show. The um, topic for today you know, we can't really do body language reading because we're doing radio. Uh, if we were in studio together, I would have a very good time with you today. But mm. we would like to hear a little bit about the topic of your new book, The Five Traits That Set Extraordinary People Apart. What are they? We are all ears. Well, thanks for having me, Wendy. And you're right. I, I, I follow your writings on uh, psychology today. You know, one of the things that I, uh, I've been doing uh, for the last uh, more than a, a quarter century is looking at human behavior. And uh, while I was studying human behavior and body language and all that, one of the things that stood out for me was there were, there were times when I was in the presence of someone, I was uh, with someone or I met someone, that at the end of the meeting you just felt wonderful. You felt like... Um, they had left you uh, better for for having met them. And I started to study what what was the difference? What what was it about them that sort of made them, um, in my eyes, exceptional? Not not because they had money or wealth or anything like that, but because of how they made others feel. And and the thing that stood out number one was these individuals were whether they were farmers or musicians or. Uh, grandmothers at home, they had a certain mastery over their own life. They had been able to take whatever life had given to them, and they were able to marshal even limited resources to um, be able to control themselves emotionally, to make the necessary sacrifices and, and discipline their their lives so that they could be 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 better, and and without that, um, you know, you can have people that are very successful, but in the end, if if you don't have that mastery over self, um, then then you're you're operating from a, a weak foundation. The other thing I found was that really exceptional individuals 
were terrific observers and whether whether um they were looking at small objects <laughs> and 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 trying to to determine what is that that's that's sticking uh-huh. to my leg that uh then is examined under the microscope and and the gentleman that sees that goes out and invents velcro to the average person who goes above and beyond and is a great observer and can observe the needs, the wants, the fears, the concerns, the apprehensions, and even the preferences of others. And what I found was that these individuals, in, in a way, it's the kinds of things that you've written about, Wendy, and, and Daniel Goldman has, has written about, is this social intelligence, this ability to read uh, others, really makes for an exceptional individual. Um, you know, if, if something as simple as if if you can sense that I need five feet of space uh, versus three feet of space, um, you're already contributing to my psychological comfort. And, uh, and and extraordinary people have this this ability to 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 observe and also to to innovate. The other thing I found was that exceptional individuals communicate so well both verbally and non-verbally and they may not be eloquent they may not be you know like churchill in 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 his ability to 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 write but they have this ability to convey feelings and sentiments and maybe it's just you know someone that comes and sits next to you and puts an arm around you and gives you a hug that is powerful uh, communication. The, the fourth uh, thing that I found is that exceptional individuals have the ability to act pro-socially, in other words, in, in furtherance of others, but they do it very quickly. There's no hesitation. There is no, um, gosh, I wish you hadn't asked me for that favor. No, they jump at the opportunity to, to act to to do things in furtherance of others without even being asked. And lastly, they seem to know innately. Um, you know, humans, we, we tend to think that we're, we're striving for perfection when, in fact, humans don't strive for perfection. The, the most important thing that our species strives for is psychological comfort, whether we go on vacation or we go out to a restaurant where it's nice and quiet or, you know, people respect our space in an elevator. That's psychological comfort. And the person who provides that, is going to be the soonest winner. And so this this combination, these five elements, the the sort of the quintessence of uh, of of what makes for an extraordinary in, individual I found repeated itself over and over with everyone that um I was running into that's that left you feeling that way and I said, "You know what? I'm going to write about it because one thing is to know body language, but another thing is what do you do with that? That's great, Joe. Before I go to my question, can that behavior, uh, those, can those traits be learned or is it, are you just born with it? That's a great question. I, I think, you know, I, I think obviously that certain people have, are born with uh, certain traits, but 
we can all better our ability to observe. We can we can self-analyze. We can. I myself, you know, over the decades have looked at my own life and I and, and asked myself, could I do that better? Do I need to educate myself more? The self-mastery is, is something that we can work on all of our lives. Uh, the ability to observe, we can work on all of our lives. Um, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, can we communicate more effectively, obviously, uh, this is something that, that you can work on. Um, so none of these things, um, I, I think, are, are anything that we cannot um, become better at. And, and if we strive for it, if for no other reason, that we'll, we will make ourselves feel better and that we will have a more positive effect on others, then that's good enough. Fantastic. Hey, Joe, I've been fascinated by the concept of body language ever since I was a teenager trying to figure out if a girl liked me or not. Uh, in case my wife is learning, uh, my wife is listening, I'm sorry. Uh, but in your book, uh, What Everybody is Saying, an Ex- yeah. FBI Agent's Guide to Speed Reading People, what are yeah. some of the key takeaways of that best-selling book, and how important is body language in our interactions with others? Oh, thank you for asking that. It's so, it, it's, it's so important. You know, body language is our first language. It is our primary language. It is the, the language that has been with our species for, you know, millions uh, of years with hominins and certainly with, with uh, humankind uh, for the last 700,000 years. And so we've learned to communicate that we like someone by arching the eyebrows, by um, smiling, by tilting our head to the side and looking askance multiple times so that, as you know, if you look at somebody too intently, you might turn them off. But if you kind of look at them askance, it makes them feel better by turning our belly side, our ventral side towards people when we're interested in them. Something so simple, you may not notice, for instance, a woman playing with her own hair as she's waiting for a friend may see someone that uh, she might be interested in, and uh, depending on how she plays with her hair, if the uh, if the inside of the wrist faces out, um, that usually indicates ah. that she's very comfortable with the person uh, there. But if she turns it so that they see the back of the wrist, um, she's she's probably uh, uh, not. So uh, these are very subtle things. That, that convey openness, um, agreeability, conviviality, and, and, and so forth. And it's, and it's all within the realm of nonverbals. Joe, Joe, we are right at the end of the show, and it is just getting good. You have to promise <laughs> us you're going to come back on. This is absolutely amazing. Fantastic. You know, Joe, Joe brings up some really great points that um, I, I believe that you can even see if somebody is wearing a mask. I mean, you don't wear a mask on your eyebrows, I hope, or else that's called a blindfold. But we really do have a lot to work with, even though we do have some of these mandates back due to the Delta variant. So thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. And I'd like to thank you to our listeners. I promise we are bringing Joe back. This is just good not to revisit. But please have a wonderful, safe weekend. Join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great weekend. God bless you.
Thank you for joining us for today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 